Yo, what's up, guys? Today, uh, we have a full conversation with Adit Jain. He has a company that he and his two other friends have started uh, and have scaled to over 400 people. Super impressive company, super impressive founders. I learned a lot. I think you guys will, too. It's with Adit Jain of Lena AI. And um, go send him a shout out. Uh, find them on LinkedIn, find them on the interwebs, because uh, I think you guys will like this one. Okay, awesome, man. So, um, absolutely, Deja. Tell me a little bit about yourself, man. Um, how did you kind of get into uh, building your company, entrepreneurship? Like, what's your background? There are three founders of Lean AI, uh, Mayank Anand, and myself. We've been you know, we've known each other for the last 13 years now. So it's been quite a crazy journey. <laughs> uh, we were in the same wing in IIT Delhi. So uh, it was like, you know, being in, uh, in a hostel means like, uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's like, you know, the IITs have these hostels where people, you know, generally put in and they're like, you know, very old school, you know, very limited amenities there. You know, it's not probably the best of places, but you make the best friendships for life, right? And uh, that's where, uh, you know, I became friends with these guys. We used to do a lot of projects together. We took a lot of courses together. And, uh, you know, over a period of four years, we kind of had that friendship and that trust in uh, each other's abilities and, and how we complemented each other. That we said, you know, while we had great job offers, uh, we said, you know, let's just try and, you know, do something of our own. Yeah, we had to go and convince one of the parents. <laughs> of course, in, in India you still have to do that, right? Uh, and uh, I remember how we begged. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so that's so interesting. Yeah, because you know, in our culture, it's like you kind of become a doctor or and something very consistent that you can kind of build a family very easily through. So, what was that process like? Like, how did you? What was the pitch that you made to convince somebody? So one of the things that, you know, IITs provide you is is a good safety net, right? right. So you can say that, hey, if you're going to fail, fail in six months, you know, probably you will have a job waiting. So I think <laughs> that's probably, and, and because, you know, you said it rightly, right? So uh, while we were chatting, you said that, you know, India is growing. So, right. so for, for good people, there's so many opportunities that it's just crazy, right? Even in this downturn that the U.S., North America, and Europe is, you know, India is, Indian engineers are still getting five offers each. Right. <laughs> so, you know, uh, we, we had that, we had that safety net, that confidence and, and, you know, after that, it's just begging, right? So in, in your family or like, let's say in the founders families, is there like a history of entrepreneurship or are you kind of the first generation of entrepreneurs? So my dad has run his own company, a software company uh, for like, 15 years, right? So, okay. so schools, yeah. So, so for me, it was easy for me, right? I had it easy. For the yeah. other two, it was uh, one, one's parents are doctors, the other ones, you know, had a government job. <laughs> so they had it tough, yeah. So we, we had to convince them a lot. Got it. Did your dad help or was it mostly just like you were just like, we have to figure out how to do this? So, you know, it did not come to that. I I think if it if if it would have taken much more time or effort, then maybe we would have involved him. But yeah, uh, you know their parents also agreed. I think I, I'd say fairly easily. <laughs> yeah, 
that's cool. I'm sure you're persuasive. And yeah. like, there's a, there's a positive role model there. So it's like cool to see that, Hey, okay, there's going to be some guidance. Okay. So that's awesome. So I T, but then you guys went to YC, got tier one investment from Bessemer Venture Partners. So how did you guys get connected to basically get to like the most prestigious set of financiers in the U S you know, that's so cool. Uh, 2015, when we completed our undergrad, we, we, we loved AI, right? Because we had done some, you know, courses and projects in uh, face recognition, in natural language processing, uh, automatic content summarization, right? Right. So we were like, we wanted to do something in AI for sure. So we decided to kind of explore NLP. And at that time, you know, Facebook just released their API for, you know, chatbots. So that was a pretty interesting because we thought, okay, with AI and with this platform that which people can access, you know, it kind of changes things. And I think at the same time, Telegram had also opened their API, right? So we thought, you know, this this makes total sense in terms of, you know, allowing customer support automation, marketing sales, you know, you can just do things. So the WeChat thing in China could actually hit the other parts of the world as well, right? So we said, okay, uh, let's build a platform. Uh, it's currently, you know, it's still alive. It's called Chatteron. So Chatteron is a like a horizontal platform that enables anyone to create chatbots without writing a single line of code. So it's like, yeah, you know, you can come in. It's a DIY platform, and you can, you know, build a a website, Facebook Messenger or Twitter chatbot for customer support, marketing, or sales automation, like without any coding or very little API, you know, usage, but like almost zero coding, right? That's cool. So that's where we started off. That kind of blew completely, blew up completely. It went from zero to over thirty thousand uh, developers, companies, you know, people using it to build chatbots for their, you know, different portals. And um, uh, you know, that was amazing. It was encouraging, you know, wide ranging use cases. Uh, we had a freemium model from from a subscription standpoint. So uh, the problem was that we were charging after a particular chatbot had over 10,000 messages processed, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's crazy, Teja, but out of 30,000, only 20 people ended up paying us, right? Yes, I so, see. I see, yeah. So, uh, now this is a huge problem because we in two years, we had scaled well, but we, we were not able to monetize and we started to diagnose on what's happening. And we realized, Teja, we had made the classic rookie entrepreneurship mistake of trying to be everything for everyone, but yes. ending up nothing for nobody, right? Yes, yes, yes. That's like the classic, the classicest, uh, you know, mistake you can make as a first-time entrepreneur. Yes. And we made it. The good thing is, when we looked at those 20 customers in detail, Teja, we realized that out of those 20, around 16 of them were actually using Chatteron to build internal HR and IT chatbots. And, we were we were like that. We had zero professional experience, by the way, and nobody teaches you what they do in HR, what they do in IT, you know, the grad, anywhere yeah. across, right? Yeah, you don't know what they are. You're just like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and we were like, you know, okay, what are these guys doing? You know, people are like, they, they were requests like, okay, I want to access Adobe, you know, Pro. Uh, what is my lead balance? And you know, I make what this is crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> So we called up those guys, all 16 of them. And we said, okay, why are you doing this? Right? And then, you know, like three months in, like we spent three months doing this. And we realized that the problem is access to information. So right. as organizations grow, there are so many different systems, people, applications, departments, 
that finding the right information to do your job is a huge time suck. Mm. That's essentially what we wanted to solve with Lean AI, uh, with a, with our vision being building Jarvis for every employee in an enterprise, right? That's cool. And we've stayed true to that, you know, goal to that vision ever since. Uh, you know, we we don't want to do customer support chatbots. We don't want to do marketing, sales chatbots. We only build employee-facing virtual assistants. That's what Lean AI is, right? Uh, post that, we went to YC uh, in, in summer of 2018, raised a $2 million seed round uh, after that. And then, you know, 2019 was a great year of growth for us. 2020, even with COVID hitting in, you know, hitting, and it had its own, it had its own silver lining for us where, uh, you know, we actually were able to see a lot of revenue growth because suddenly companies was remote, right? So supporting employees became really challenging remotely, right? Because you could have found an IT person, an HR person, like, like two desks away, but that's not happening now, right? So uh, they, they had to automate. So we, we had that super growth happen. And, uh, you know, at that time, we raised our Series A led by Greg Croft. So it was an inbound. So one of the analysts at Greg you know, just wrote us an email. Yes. We happened to respond to it. And, you know, I, I think we are one of the few deals that, Ever happened with the cold reach outs from analysts, right? Oh my gosh, are you are you were you surprised by that, or were you like? Now I am. So by that time, you know, at that time I I didn't know that it's such a big thing that you know deals happen. <laughs> but right now, after you know speaking to so many people, I realized no deal happened via cold reach outs from analysts. No. But you know, amazing job. You you made that person's career probably. Like that is like that. That will be a line in the resume for until that person becomes partner. So hopefully, that, <laughs> <laughs> so founded like maybe 2015, 16. Had a had one product, made a second product that hit. Went to YC, went you know, and got the seed and the Series A. That's that's like really fast growth. And so right now your company um, is split. Um, San Francisco, California, and New Delhi. Absolutely. So we have in the U.S. We have people all across the U.S. Um, we have a heavy population in California, New York, um, you know, Atlanta. We have we have people, and then we have other AEs and go to market folks across the U.S. because you know, those are extremely localized markets, right? Yeah. Uh, and they, they're like very close groups of buyers. The CIOs and CHRs, you know, close groups of buyers. So you have to have people on the ground. And we do enterprise deals. We do large deals, right? So uh, now, uh, uh, apart from that, we have development centers in India, in New Delhi, Mumbai, and Bangalore. But we also have go-to-market teams in Southeast Asia and in Europe and Middle East. When you think about kind of um, business climates, is is operating in these different markets, it, does that present unique challenges or is it all pretty straightforward and you got some compliance with all that stuff set up? No, absolutely. You're bang on target. Like uh, I told you, we raised our Series A and then we raised our Series B next year. So we raised our Series B in 2021, 30 million moves, oh, wow. uh, led, led by Bessemer. And we started opening geographies after that. So we opened Europe and Middle East after that. And, uh, you know, I was I was shocked because, you know, like the completely different culture, especially in Middle East is a completely different culture. Yes. And for you to go in and because you have to speak there, uh, you have to speak their tone, their voice, you know, their, their language. You have to understand their culture when you're going into sell. And you know, I'll be honest, 
it's been an amazing i've spent close to around 3 months over the last 2 years in the middle east and um, you know i can tell you i know much more about their culture you know and and how it has evolved over the last uh, 200 odd years uh and you know how do you actually go and sell to them but by being there but you cannot do that without you know being there that's so interesting so what what's uh, some of the idiosyncrasies like what do you have to how do you have to kind of position things in the middle east absolutely language so uh arabic is an extremely important language uh if you're building a solution uh you know if you're a company you're a startup you want you want customers in in dubai in abu dhabi in uh, you know ksa in qatar you need to have arabic in the product you need to have arabic speakers who are doing sales business development or or uh, customer success wow okay and so will you guys even like adjust the marketing site to basically be in arabic so when they land that wow so not just the product that's crazy okay you know their holidays their buying cycles budgeting cycles because you know we do 500,000 dollar deals you know million dollar deals 200,000 dollar deals so generally last ticket items right and 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 the ones that typically get appro- approved at the topmost levels even cfos ceos right so when you do these large deals you realize that you know it is you have to understand their process because every company is unique every region is unique and within every region every company is unique and and, and you know just soaking all of that information into your sales process your product your marketing everywhere is extremely important for long term success so as like the sort of um LLM space has matured and maybe hit like the consumer market over the past couple of years how has that kind of um impacted like your company and and future outlook and opportunities for growth so you know we got first introduced to LLMs with the word bottles uh and of course you know uh, we were also uh i don't know if you know this but openai sam altman uh, you know actually kind of had the first group of testers trying out gpt2 2.5 something like that back in 2020 right and you know it was open only to yc companies to you know come into right. so and we are a yc company in this space so we you know we we raised our hand and we got some access so we've kind of known about this you know this thing is coming from quite a while we've been working on it ourselves as well from quite a while right and i think one of the biggest thing that has happened especially with chat gpt is i can tell you that the technology that you see here of course it's matured way much matured, matured way way more than what it was even a year ago right um for the final product right for the final experience that you see today with chat gpt right but uh it it was able to do like good percentage like 90% of what you see today even even a year ago right wow and at that time when we used to so we built our own so we built our own llm called the work llm it's a 7 billion parameter model uh that we have you know kind of built and we kind of we used to show this to our customers back then enterprise customers that they'd show us away <laughs> they were like okay you know what you can't be generating content you can't be generating text on the fly in, our, in responses you know this is our, this is some book come right So <laughs> so now the good thing is with ChatGPT you know nobody asks those questions right <laughs> but, uh, but yeah but, uh, but but you know we've we've kind of known this is happening this is going to happen 
but yeah, credit to the guys over at OpenAI, you know, to kind of finally bring it in a way uh, that people can use and then appreciate the technology. So um, yeah, it's accelerated our business like crazy. To be yeah. very honest, uh, you know, uh, the growth has been you know three x, and uh, you know, I think especially the with the backdrop of cost savings. And you know efficiency plays across the U.S. and Europe, uh, you know because of the markets and high interest rates, it's it's it has been the perfect time for us because people have more appreciation of the technology, and they want to save costs. That's exactly what we do, right? Uh, we help you automate tons of queries that keep coming in and suck up people's time, uh, doing same things again and again, so that they can spend that time in much more valuable things for the organization, right? So. Uh, you know, IT help desk automation, HR help desk automation, finance help desk automation, ma- many, many other use cases. You know, now we're uh, able to do it and it just sits well right now because everybody's talking cost saving and efficiencies and uh, everybody trusts the technology automatic. I don't need to get your trust. A year ago on generative AI, you literally just say, you know, this is what you're, you're bullshitting, right? But, <laughs> but now, now you, you know it works. So, so, like, it's it's both of the both of the things that have happened for us are amazing, uh, and accelerated our business like crazy. Yeah, yeah, totally. I bet there's so much less education required now. It's yep. like it's part of the overall understanding of, especially if, like I think non technical buyers too. They're like, oh, okay, like we now have intuitively carved out some budget to do this, yep. and, and accelerate our business. That's really cool. Um, what do you think about kind of scaling your company and hiring and building your team? Like, how are you able to, like, you know, you guys have AEs all across the US, probably go to market teams in Europe and the Middle East. Like, how do you make sure all these, you know, engineers in India, how do you make sure all these cultures kind of are able to unify under like Lena AI's company culture? Is that something that you think about? No, oh, absolutely, Teja. So uh, there, there are a set of values that we have that are must-haves for people at Lean AI, right? After those set of values, we are pretty flexible in terms of letting people do whatever they want, right? Because yeah. like, there's some things that we're not acceptable, that are not ex- at all acceptable at Lean AI. There's things, some things that are very much promoted at Lean AI and that you have to you know do like respect your colleagues, right? for example. So there, there's some, there's a list of things you do. There's a list of things that you don't do, which is a part of the values and culture uh, statements at Lean AI. So we make sure that those are met. After that, you know, we are open and appreciative of everything uh, that anyone wants. So, uh, you know, people in the Middle East, our people in Europe, our people in the US, our people in, in Southeast Asia, all of them have different backgrounds, cultures, preferences, and we are open to everything. Uh but but the, the the basic things of lean AI like don't be an asshole, right? Is <laughs> what I feel like that's maybe that's intuitive, but to me that seems not intuitive. Like, how did you come to that um, approach? Is that something you just grew up with, being very tolerant, or so? So the basic fundamentals of who we want to work with. So you know, we we realized, and this has kind of changed because you know I think the culture of the organization is very malleable and it changes over time right so when you're small it's a family it's a group of friends family or you know want to do something big and all of that right and then you get 50 people and then suddenly you know, it stops 
still a family but a larger extended family yes. go to <laughs> and then you you know basically aunts and uncles now often <laughs> 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 not that all right and then you know, 150 200 300 you know 200 which we are right now you know you there have to be some set of things that we know make the world a better place right so so for example we know that we don't want to if you're going to spend 12 hours working uh, or 10 hours working or 8 hours working how a number of i work 12 hours somebody might work 7 hours whatever but whatever number of hours you spend working at in ai you need to ensure that you're enjoying it right well, and our, our our basic set of values say that if people don't enjoy working with us right have- so so the values are basically making sure that everybody enjoys their time and they want to spend time here right that's the set that do the that's it it's not like a long list of many things it's like all the tricksy things uh, on both sides that they don't do's and don'ts that's it right and yeah. everything else we are pretty accommodative of as an organization that's that's cool so okay so you work a lot like 12 hours a day um yeah. probably, probably 6 7 days a week is that absolutely Okay, how do you feel if somebody in your organization doesn't work that much? Are you okay with that? Like how do you Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we 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 have 400 plus people at this point. Like uh, I understand and respect the fact that you know, people everybody does not you know, want to just make or spend 14 hours with their colleagues or 12 hours with their colleagues and that's that completely okay. Were you like that in the early days? Like No. No. Why <laughs> not? So when we were twenty people, <laughs> I was not like this at all. <laughs> really? So okay, you're you're probably like, hey, if you're not grinding twelve hours a day, like, what are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Like I used to hold myself to fourteen, fifteen hours a day, seven days a week, and then everyone around me to a very, very high bar as well. The first two years, right, and then. Uh, after uh, you know now we 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 you've grown a lot right and uh, at different stages different things work and uh, you know and and are needed for the organization so leaders founders everyone has to change and understand that as you grow that's such a mature outlook like how, how did you sort of develop that over time like how did you realize okay we need to have a different approach i can't just grind everybody 12 14 hours a day like how did you kind of realize that no absolutely one thing that you know i'm really proud of and one thing that we we i think we do well at linai at least is uh we 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 have strong opinions but very loosely held right so you know let's say we are growing we are at that 100 150 people mark uh, mark and and you know you know we are asking people to grind 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 and you know people are There's certainly there's high attrition, you know, you have that, you know, people are talking about burnout and all of that. So, you know, what it happens once in the surveys, it happens twice, and you know, you know, then you have to take a hard look. You cannot, you cannot ignore things like these. And I think uh, then you study the market, you understand what other people did, what other successful companies did throughout their journey. And what I've realized is, you know, nobody can ever, you know, keep doing this. Uh, you can't have all of your 400 people grinding, right? <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. what you realize that you understand that that's fine right so yeah i think so we kind of just actually pretty interesting thing in i'd love love for you to hear it and in other people to hear it as well 
So what I and what we at Lina believe in is that if two people with the same goal, two intelligent people with the same goal, without egos, come to a conversation to make a decision, it is impossible that they arrive at different conclusions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, does it? It is there right. to impose this. You have to say it without egos, and you have to say uh, with the same goal. So the goal has to be the same, which is probably in this case take Lina forward, and uh, you know, and you have to do it without your ego. It does not matter whose idea is this, who's going to benefit, not benefit, whatever it is, right? If you take those two things and you do them right in every decision, you'll always arrive at the right one. That's the decision tough. might even be the decision might even be that hey, I both the ideas are great. Right. Let's let let's do a let's do an A B test, right? right. This might even be that, but I'm saying you'll always arrive at the right decision. So I think this serves uh, this has served us well, and this continues to serve us well. Uh, so maybe this is something for 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 the listeners to also you know ponder about and and try and see if it works for them. Yeah, totally. And it takes some of the pressure off of needing to find the right answer all the time and making yep. sure that it's this is the way. Yeah, that's so cool. So. Do you believe in burnout personally, like for yourself, or do you not experience that? I generally don't because uh, <laughs> you know I love what I do. I I absolutely okay. I I would not change a thing in my life at all till now. So <laughs> only yeah, nothing. So I so that's why I, I just love what I do. So that's why you know the bads, the goods, the greats, everything. So uh, you know, like I can keep doing this for another ten years, right? I I won't complain. So, but but I do realize that people need need breaks, and that's completely out. Yeah. Have you thought about like why you personally don't need to like what about you makes you like able to sustain like a very high pace? So uh, I kind of trained myself, not knowingly, but unknowingly, kind of got trained on this. Um, so if I look back for my JE preparation. Uh, for people who who are listening and who are not from India, uh, joint entrance exam. The JEE is an exam to get into IIT's prestigious technology institute. So in India, so you know, there's like a million people who, get, who take that exam, and <laughs> you know, you have acceptance rate over point one percent, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it's it's extremely competitive. It's extremely you know tough to get in. Now. The fun fact here is my dad is from IIT Delhi, and you know when your dad is from IIT Delhi, you know it. They just you know what happens to to yes. the kids. Yes. So in tenth standard, uh, you know after I completed my tenth standard, eleventh uh, and twelfth standards are basically high school was you know all about cracking that exam, right? And I I you know I I'm I'm not joking. I used to study fourteen hours a day flat for like. Six hundred days. I studied. I'm not joking. I studied fourteen to sixteen hours a day every freaking day for more than six hundred odd days. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's at, and then you probably got like a positive reinforcement because you went to IIT, and so you're like, okay, this is the way like to do. Yeah. It. Like, if I want to do anything. I have to do this. Yes. So that that's exactly what you know. What you just said is exactly what I just told someone. Like. Like two hours ago, right? Well, after you put in that much amount of 
effort and it works the positive reinforcement you know just makes you understand that if you should put your heart to it you do whatever uh you know you need to get done so or whatever you will get whatever you want so you know that that was great positive reinforcement in this i that's why i kind of got trained on on this yeah totally do you, so do you have any like kind of personal habits um do you take care of health things like that or do you feel like the work itself kind of brings you energy and sustains you um to do more the work does sustain me it gives me energy and sustain me but yeah i do like to so one thing i've realized i'm not a gym kind of a person i'm also not a running kind of a person but i like to take up sports whenever i can whatever i can right so um so be it you know football be it cricket squash you know, there there's some something that I like and of course you know you can't do a lot of these when you're working you know 12 14 hours a day so you you kind of just figure out how to put them in your schedule whenever you, and however much you can and and you run with that that's awesome man your parents must be like so proud of you you know this is I'll like <laughs> sure they've told you you know but our parents they don't say that sort of thing you, yeah. you know yeah it's just the thing so that's um that's so cool um do you do you keep in touch with your IIT classmates who um you know maybe didn't go the entrepreneurship route and do you have an opportunity to work with them at Lena AI maybe hire them and that sort of thing yeah so a lot of uh, IIT folks are actually working with Lena AI i think they're they're entrepreneurs here at Lena AI uh because you know you know our vp of engineering is essentially our bestmate from iit yeah you know he actually started his own company with another person who's also leading one of our products and uh, you know they they were way ahead of their time in their startup they're doing something in vr analytics right of course wow. vr did not take off so vr analytics did not take off right right so they joined forces with us back then and and of course they hold uh, a lot of equity in like esops and lena as well so yeah you know, i think they're 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 equal to us they're they're entrepreneurs and you know they have they have a good amount of say in lena and what we do here so you know that's, yeah that's, and and one of our uh one of my juniors leads are one of our regional sales teams as well so we we have a lot of id folks doing their own entrepreneurial journeys with us at lena itself that's cool yeah so like you know so How do you create an opportunity at Lena AI to give, you know, these entrepreneurial innovative minded folks enough like kind of white space to go and create? I think what we do well at Lena AI is align goals like okay, you know, we need to build this product for example, just making an example. But and and, and this is well, or wait we align goals which means we say we need to solve this problem for the customer this is what the customers are saying right how can we solve it can we solve it should we solve it right and once we come to the fact that yes should should we solve it yes that we should be solving this after that you know it's it's up to them you know the product engineering team to decide how you know then we don't get in and we always don't try and you know dictate no this is the, this is the product that you're going to build right then you can do whatever you need to do or you know brainstorm goals research on the internet do whatever you need go talk to more customers create prototypes we we give them a lot of freedom to do whatever they think is right 
uh, of course, it should meet the end goal of solving the customer's problem. Well, so when you guys think about like, you know, your seed round, your series A, your series B, typically that's preceded by right, like some revenue growth. Um, but now you're then ramping your expenses aggressively, right? Do you, as a, as an entrepreneur, probably somebody that has, I would say maybe a thrifty and frugal mentality initially, how did you kind of shift to being venture backed CEO? Was that scary at all? Well, absolutely. I think we were extremely a bit of positive before we did our, uh, you know, series A, right? We ran the company almost like that from series A through series B because it was like a 10 months difference. Between October 2020 is when we did our Series A, June 2021, we did our Series B, right? Not even 10 months, less than that, right? Seven, eight months. So, and we had actually grown our revenue 3x between the time time period, wow. right? So, I think there was definitely a shift because we had suddenly had $40 million in the in the bank. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I do think that, and for people who are going to do this for the first time, right? It's important to know that when you get that much amount of capital, you know, you, you shift your mind and you kind of run towards the other end of the pendulum where you probably start spending much more money, right, uh, than needed. I think I think it's important to be very, very frugal and run the business like that at least for a few quarters after you do any large round because it kind of keeps you grounded. It keeps you close to the reality, right? And especially in an up market like 2021, 2022, early 2022, you know, it's easy to get carried away that, you know, you can, you're going to get, anyway, everyone is raising money. So even if you grow 1x on, you not do 110% NRR, you're going to get, you're going to get money, right? So you're going to forget uh, that, you know, you should focus on the EBITDA positiveness, you should focus on profitability, you should focus on past growth, yes, but with those profitability metrics in mind, right? So, I think for the people who are going to do this for the first time, you should raise money. There's no question about it, right? Uh, if if you want to take a large chunk of a big market, you should need cash from outside. Right. But, you know, always, always remember that, uh, you know, growth has to have, have to be coupled with uh, the profitability mindset. You don't need to be profitable. I'm not saying you have to be profitable from day one, but, you know, you have to kind of have that in the mind so that you're at least tracking, you're at least talking about it every month uh, with the board and with everybody in the team. And everybody knows that that's important and we have to look at that. Because that will itself, you know, help you spend 20, 25% lesser and keep the business much healthier. One of the things that I've realized from my peer group, and thankfully we, we got saved at Lina because we were more frugal than others, to be honest. But uh, one thing that, you know, happened with a lot of uh you know, my friends who raised a lot of money, you know, 100 million, 150 million, it, you, it kind of, the money kind of changes your frugality or you forget the frugality and you start spending and you go to such a high burn that you, you it's tough to come back down uh, when, or, or it's, it, you have a very small runway left at, at the end of it, right? So, uh, I think people should just be, like, people are going to do this for the first time, should keep that in mind. And then you know, always have that profitability or a bit a number in front of you, so that you know that it's, you should scale. You should spend money. You should hire people. You should scale one hundred percent. But keep that number in mind uh, while doing all of this. 
what what's something that you like what are a couple of things rather that you wish you kind of knew maybe back in 2016 2015 when you guys went to yc that you now understand today one thing that i wish uh you know i knew back then was definitely the fact that you know i'll need to spend more and more of my time in people management and hiring right and then leaders will have to do that and like easily you know when i'm telling you this easily that culture needs to change as you grow right if i knew that 5 6 ago, years ago and um, you know if i knew that you know hiring is going to take up a lot of time and you should keep talking to people all the time to find the best folks i think you know when that time comes for the transition because you you certainly raise around and you have to of course hire few folks right uh, what happens is um, uh, what happens is you it takes time to switch gears, right? It takes time to switch gears and you, nobody likes interviews, taking too many interviews, right? I hate yeah. interviews. So, I don't hate it, but like if they become more than you know, three a day, then you know, I don't like it, right? And uh, I think that's extremely important from, uh, you know, from, from an understanding perspective. You know that you have to spend this much amount of time with, with people solving their problems and in hiring, you know. For for engineers specifically, it seems like a time suck when they start doing it, but it is going to take time as you grow as a company. Hiring is so important and it just takes time, but you get like two interviews in and you're like, fuck it, like, let's just do it. You know, that's, I just, that's how I am. It's, Absolutely. Uh, and, and so what you lose patience and you, patience and you, you, you have bad hires. Yes. And they're not culturally faint. Sometimes they're not even... And when you do blitz scaling, when you do a large round and then you, you want to, you know, hire like 200 people, there's so many wrong hires and we've done that. Like, I, I'll be honest, like we've made bad hires ourselves at Lean AI. And just because, you know, people were just, they were taking 18 interviews a day. Yes, totally. You just get fatigued. You know, yep. you're not, you're not picking up on tells that you would if you're doing one interview a day, maybe two. Yeah, that's yep. totally true. Awesome, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for your time. This is a great conversation. And, um, you know, we just did our Series A last year. So for me, I'm like learning so much from this conversation. So it's been awesome. Absolutely, Teja. Thank you so much for having me and uh, hope this was uh, useful. Where can people find you and your company on the internet? Uh, you're going to get a lot of it, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I go with my name, Adijan, and uh, you can just put in Adijan Lean AI, and you'll find me on LinkedIn. And our website is, of course, uh, www.leanar.ai. Adij, next time I'm in Delhi, hopefully soon, I gotta come find you guys, and maybe we'll go hiking in the Himalayas if you can get a spare a day or a weekend. I'd love to do that. Yeah, or, or in California. Or in California. Yeah, heck yeah. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io. We drop two episodes per week. So if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the Frontier Pod and we'll see you next week. edit it, cut things up, chop it up, that sort of thing, so you can be casual. Um, Perfect. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. 
If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.